Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning to everyone on our live feed, our live stream as well. We got a full house this morning. It's so good to see, slow but sure, the family of God coming back together. And uh, and that's good because the days that are ahead are days of evil, church, and we need to be ready. We need a call to arms. And so with that in mind, go with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to kick off a new series uh, on the armor of God. We're going to look at this about 10 weeks. We're going to dive into this and really get in here. What's been on my heart as a pastor is I'm going to be preaching to you a lot of subjects, and I have been for about the last six weeks. I don't know if you've been noticing this or not. Some of my sermons you're not going to remember. But when the time comes, you will. Because that's been my prayer. And as a pastor, I've been praying and asking God to help me prepare the flock for the days ahead in the world coming. The days ahead are evil. They're going to be very difficult days. But all in all, they're days of hope because we have Christ. Amen? But that doesn't negate the fact that days of evil are coming. Days unlike are uncertain and days that we've never known before. And so I'm praying that things that I've been preaching on are things that you need to hear, maybe not in the present tense, but when the days of evil come, the Lord's Spirit will recall these words back to you and you'll be prepared. And, uh, and that's what I want to do is I want to prepare us for spiritual warfare because that's what's coming. This present evil darkness and all around us right now, you do not realize if God could open our eyes like he did to the to the man in the Old Testament. We would see spiritual warfare going on all around us right now. Good battling evil. And right now, Satan doesn't want you to listen to me. He doesn't want to listen to the word of God. He wants to draw your attention to what you're having for lunch. He wants to draw your attention to what you're going to be doing after church. He's going to even make you think, well, that preacher is preaching way too long, you know, or, or that song was not very good, or he's going to get your mind wandering on many different directions because he doesn't love the truth. He hates the truth. And so I'm going to ask you to really tune in because Satan wants to seek your life, steal your life, destroy your life. And he'll do it in the most craftiest and clever of ways and techniques and tactics. And when you think that you're not ready, this is when he's going to get you. He's like a lion roaring, seeking someone that he may devour. And a lion doesn't attack the strongest. It goes for the weakest. So dads, granddads, fathers, who's the weakest in your family? Are you the weakest? Is your wife, your children? That's who they're going to go after. The weakest. Therefore, he can pull you down as well. I'm so grateful for one thing this morning, that all of you got up and you got dressed and you came to church. I'm glad you didn't come in your pajamas. I'm glad you came in your clothes. How many of you would wake up on a Sunday morning and, and dare come to church in what you sleep in? None of us would do that. How is it in the same way that we wake up every day and we don't put on the armor of God. We're just inviting the temptation and the war to happen and we're not ready for it. 
When we people sign up and enlist in the army, what do we do? We put them through boot camp. We prepare them. We equip them for war. We train them for war. We don't just hire them into the military and send them out with nothing because then we're going to lose the battle. And yet that's the way a lot of Christians are today. We wake up and we don't put on the armor that God has given us. And so let's read about this armor. And we're going to look at the introduction and the overview of it today. And then I'm going to come back and deal with each set of the armor in greater detail and, and really make this applicable to our modern day, everyday life. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, wiles, tactics, methods. For our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Father, we have read your word. And Lord, we are praying this morning in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm not just praying for just me, but Lord, I'm praying for all of us that are in the auditorium today and those that are listening and those that will listen to this message in the future. And Lord, I pray for each person, Lord, that they would put on the full armor of God. Lord, the days of evil are coming. And we need to be prepared. Lord, I really see as we come out of these days of COVID, I see how the world is changing. And Lord, if any time... We as your children need to be strong and stand firm. It's today. Our greatest war is coming. Our greatest temptations, our greatest battles are ahead of us. And Lord, you are weeding out so many. Only those who have true faith, who are true soldiers of, of you, Lord, will win this battle. Those that are weak and are not prepared will be destroyed. So, Father, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, help us to gird up ourselves in this armor and help us to remember this every day, Lord, to wake up. And the first thing that we do, we spiritually put on the armor of God. And I pray over the next 10 weeks, Lord, that you let us dive deep into this subject, that, Lord, it really changes our lives and prepares us for the days ahead. Bless this time together. Bless your people. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. National Geographic a while back ran an article about Alaskan bull moose. And I don't know if you know anything about the bull moose. They are huge, huge animals. And uh, the males in their species will, will battle for dominance, for breeding rights, basically is what they're doing. And they were literally these huge animals that would stand eight foot tall at the head would battle clashed their horns together in this tremendous battle with great power there. And many times 
their antlers would break because their antlers are the only weapons they have and that's what they fight with. And they will break. And the ones, the antlers that break, it ensures ultimate defeat and even ultimate death because they can't defend themselves afterwards. Only the strongest moose uh, will survive that battle. And so the thing about antlers, the battle is in the fall, but where antlers grow is not so much in the fall. Where antlers grow is back in the summertime. And the moose that spends all of its time eating, getting the, the nutrients that it takes for those antlers to grow big and grow strong, they are prepared when the battle comes in the fall because they are the strongest. And so the heaviest and the strongest bull moose is going to win and the weaker one is going to lose. Now, there's a lesson. That's why I started out with this little illustration for us today. Now, I want you to listen to this. Spiritual battles await each of you. It's not if they're going to come to you. It's when they come to you. They are coming to you. Trust me. If you hadn't had a battle with the devil, I'm talking a serious battle where you doubt God, you doubt His faithfulness, you doubt your own salvation, you doubt life, you doubt everything, you doubt the world. You doubt, He's coming. You will one day. Something will come in your life to make you doubt and have fear that will take over you. He's coming. And He's coming in a season. And He's looking for the opportunity. Now what you do at that moment is going to be determined what you do now in your own personal faith and growth. Are you eating the nutrients of the Word of God, the bread of life? Are you taking it in your personal study? Are you waking up every morning and putting on the full armor of God to take your stand, to resist the evil one? Because if you are, when the day of battle does come, you are going to win. But if you don't, it's ultimate defeat, an easy defeat. So I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to train you, according to the Word of God, how to fight the devil over the next 10 weeks. And it's really simple. It's really simple. See, in our modern world, relatively peaceful, it's easy for us to forget because we don't live in a world where there's a persecuted church we don't live in a world where Christians are being persecuted and killed. We don't live in that world in the United States. Right now, we, we hear of putting fences around churches and, and things are coming our way. They're coming from the other side, but they're coming this way. But we live in a very relatively peaceful United States of America. But what I want you to not forget is that we are children of God and you have an enemy. An enemy that hates us, that wants to seek out your life and destroy you. Every aspect of your life. So don't forget that we are always at war and we always need to be ready. That's what this verse is teaching us. It's to be ready. Because we have an enemy that is way more powerful than we are. Way more cunning than we are. Because he's been doing it since the beginning of time. And he's had every generation to practice his techniques and tactics and methods and wiles upon. And let me tell you something. It's like... There was one dear old lady in church. She never said anything bad about anyone. And they wanted to test her. And they said, well, what about the devil? Can you say something good about the devil? She goes, I certainly can. He is very consistent. And she would be correct. Not only is he 
consistent, but he's also insistent. He never stops. He's always there and he's always seeking. And he will attack you in your lower nature, in your weakest part of your sinful life. And he knows your methods. He knows your weaknesses. And he will take those things and he will throw them out in front of you. And he will be insistent and he's patient. But when he gets you, he takes you down hard. See, our enemy's called Satan. Satan. He's also called Abaddon and Apollyon. Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek, which means destroyer. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He always accuses you before the father. Look at that Christian. Look at Michael. Thinks he's a big pastor. And yeah, look at look what he does in his own personal life, Lord. Look at that. Yeah, that's what he does to all of us. Accuses us. He attacks us in the mind, our thoughts. He's called the adversary, the enemy. He's called an angel of light because he masquerades as an angel of light. He wants to come to you telling you that it's all going to be good and fun and happy. And then he just snatches the rug away from you and destroys you. He's called the devil. He's called the enemy. He's called a father of all lies. He's called the God of this age that blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. He's called the great dragon. He's called a murderer, a roaring lion, a serpent, a tempter, a thief, a wicked one. This is who our enemy is. He's not playing games. So many Christians wake up every morning and they're not prepared for war. They go about their daily lives. They do not put on the full armor of God, even though it's there. They do not sit suit up in that armor. It's just like going to work with your with your pajamas on. He is doing everything in this lifetime to defeat, to dismantle, and destroy the work of God. Doesn't take much just to watch the evening news to see what he's doing in this world. Our world is changing. I'm not sure if we're going to go back to the days of that like they were. I think all of us have that hope that we want to go back to normal. But I'm not certain if it's going to go back to normal. And so if it doesn't go back to normal, does that change the mission of the church? No. Our church mission is the same mission that Jesus had in the most corrupt government of all times, the most evil corrupt government of all time, and that was Rome. But what did Jesus do? He came and he preached the gospel. And that's what we need to do. So the devil is an opportunistic enemy. He's looking for the opportunity. He, he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. But when Jesus defeated him with three verses of Deuteronomy, he left him. And the Gospel of Luke, I, said, I think, believe it said, and he left him to a more opportune time. So he waited 30 something years to attack Jesus again. And that was at the cross. Through the crowds, crucify him, crucify him. Tempting Judas. So he's patient with you. He may let you rock along and have the greatest years of your life. And then he's coming in for the attack. Now, listen, if you're not praying, 
If you're not studying the word of God, if you're not worshiping the Lord in your in your music and, and, and everything and you're reading the word of God and, and growing in Christ, don't worry about anything. Because he's got you right where he wants you. He's not going to attack you when he's already got you on his side. It's only when you rise up and you begin to live a righteous life that then he begins to attack you. So the more you grow in Christ, the more you read and the more you pray, you watch the more the attacks will happen in your life. If you're not being attacked by the devil at all, chances are we're not putting on the armor at all. And so he's not too worried about us making an impact in this world. Every child of God, we are at war because we are God's people. Because we hold to the testimony of Jesus and because we hold true to the word of God. Those two things. The testimony of Jesus is what he's done in our life. That's the gospel. The word of God. That's the two things that people will be beheaded in the book of Revelation because of those two things. That's what's going to make you enemy number one in the world. It's the word of God and the testimony that you are a child of God. That's all it's going to take for you to be enemy to this world. This world is not our friend. That's why the word of God teaches us that anyone who is a friend of the world is an enemy against God. The world is not your friend. It's your enemy. If the world loved you as its own, you wouldn't have any issues. But because we don't love this world, because we stand for righteousness and truth and the word of God and Jesus is the only way, then we are hated and that's what the scripture says in John chapter 15, verse 18 through 20. We have those, I think, don't we? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So not only does Satan hate you, us, Satan, the world hates us. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. Remember the words I spoke to you. Therefore, you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 and 20, verse 4. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. And also in chapter 20, Verse 4 echoes the same thing here. We'll go ahead and go to yeah. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Here we see why we are at war with the world. And while we're being put to death as God's people around the world today and in the future is because do you believe in Jesus? Are you a saved person? Do you believe in the word of God? Then you have crosshairs on your forehead from the devil in this world. And the more righteous you live, the more he hates and the more the world hates you. See, the devil doesn't, he's not worried about you coming to church. He's not worried about me preaching. But he is worried about you coming to church if you truly worship. 
And he is worried about me if I'm truly preaching the truth. And so that is what I want you to know. In God's army, there are no deferments. No one's exempted from service. When you called upon the name of the Lord, you became a soldier in the Lord's army. And we are at war with Satan, the world, his army. And we are at war until the Lord calls us home or he comes back. One of the two. And when Paul says in the scriptures, put on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. Amber, I'm going to brag on Amber here. She went through a lot of work this week. Everything that you're seeing on, on the screen is her creation. She's done an excellent job on this. And I love how she did the armor. And you'll see more of it as we go through the slides. When Paul said to put on the full armor of God. In the Greek, it literally means to take up the armor of God. It's like a soldier going into enlisting into the army. And after boot camp, they come back in. And when they mix and go out to war, the army issues the guns. They issue the helmets. They issue everything they need, the boots, the uniform. They issue everything to them, but they have to put it on. They have to take it up and put it on. God said, I'm going to give you what you need to survive the spiritual warfare in this world. But I'm just going to give it to you. But you have to put it on. It's your responsibility. He's not going to force you to do it. You have to do it. And you have to do it daily. Not just once a week. So this is a, an image of what warfare looks like. Imagine a soldier fixing to be called out to a tour of duty. And he wakes up on a, on, on the, in the morning and he just wears his dungarees. Doesn't put his helmet on, doesn't take his gun, doesn't take any ammunition, doesn't do anything. Just runs out there on the front line. What are the odds that he's going to survive? No, he's going to be killed immediately. What are the odds if he put a helmet on but didn't take a gun? He's going to be killed eventually. What happens if he puts a helmet on and takes a gun but he doesn't take any ammo? See, the thing is, the point is, we can't take pieces of the armor. It's the whole thing works together. We have to take the full armor of God. The whole armor of God. It all works in one piece. And we can't just have one thing and not another thing. We have to have the whole thing. And that's what Paul's talking about. Three times we are told to stand. To stand. That word stand there means resist. It resists the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, James tells us. And we have to stand because the power against us is stronger than we are. Now notice what it says there. It says that when the day of evil comes in verse 13, when the day of evil comes in my Bible, that's underlined. Not if the day comes, but when the day of evil comes and the days of evil that we're talking about are the days that we live in right now. That's what Paul's referring to. It's in this present tense. It's not talking about just future days. It's talking about the days right now. When the day of evil comes, it's in your life right now that you are living. It's not in the future. This is in, a, in, our, in our very presence. That we're going to be attacked by the enemy, by his forces, 
And the devil is very tricky. He's very crafty. He knows your weaknesses. Just like Michael and Mike go out and fish, and they always throw different lures on to lure those fish in, to get them to bite. You know, the fish, if a fish had a thought, it probably woke up one morning and said, I'm not in a worm kind of mood today. I want something that kind of rattles the top water. So Michael puts that top water on and rattles that surface of the water on that cold, still morning, and that fish hits that thing hard. And Mike sets that hook and he reels it in, chops it up, and we have it for a fundraiser. <laughs> Think of that the same way the devil in your own personal life. Are you the devil's fundraiser? He throws things in your life. And let me tell you what's really going to be uh, the things that he throws in our way. I think things that we're most aware of would be things if you're young, it would be like the vices, you know, drugs and sex and alcohol, those obvious things. I think as you get older, those are not temptations to us anymore. And so he hits us with the other areas. He throws temptations upon uh, our spirits, the way we think. Are we critical? We judge. We are negative. He gets us to be like that. But I think in other ways that Satan really attacks us as a culture is he begins to replace human, uh, divine wisdom with human wisdom. He begins to get to wear us down and, and to get us to accept human philosophies. We begin to doubt truth and say truth is relative. It, it, you know, it's not absolute anymore. And see, there's attack upon truth. There's attack upon the word of God. There's attack upon the things that are righteous. And he gets us to begin to doubt those things and call into question those things. Then if he can get someone in the pulpit to agree with those things, then they begin to preach it and the church begins to follow those things. You know, I've shared this illustration before, and I think it's applicable here. A man was trying to use reverse psychology and get people to come to church. And so he dressed up on Halloween in a red devil suit and he stood out in front of his church and said, don't go in there. Don't go in that church. Just reverse psychology would work and they would go check out what's in there. And then he's got them, you know. You know, we shouldn't be worried about a pastor in a devil suit. We should be worried about a devil in a pastor suit. And television is filled with devils in pastor suits. And how you know? It's the word of God. They don't preach it. How do you know? They, their preaching is sprinkled with the word of God, but they, they use the vocabulary of Christianity, but not the dictionary of Christianity. And so they won't stand on truth. And that's what the Bible teaches us, that many will abandon the truth and follow deceiving spirits and doctrines taught by demons. That many will not endure sound doctrine, but gather themselves teachers to tickle their itching ears. We know that that's coming. We know that it's here now. So I want to tell you this morning, church, it is impossible for you to, to wage war against the devil in and of yourself. 
I don't care how much you get up there and you shout, I bind you in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter. You cannot defeat the devil in your own strength, your own power. Positive thinking is not going to win a war against the devil. Gimmicks is not going to win the war against the devil. Fancy delivering a pulpit and working up a crowd is not going to win a war against the devil. That's exactly what he would want you to do. Build you up to make you fall harder. Nothing is going to win against the devil, against his attacks, against his methods, unless you stand in the full armor of God. You take the, all the armor, the whole armor, and you put it on. And then you stand. He didn't say make aggressive attacks. He said you stand. You stand your ground. You don't go backwards. There's only one way you can advance forward. And that's with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. We need to stand. And so this morning, I want to get us to look through this study and go through it thoroughly and tr truly equip us. And so this morning is just the introduction. It's just the overview. We're going to go through the armor real quickly, an overview. And I want us to see what the Lord has provided for you and me. He's laid at our feet. If you claim to be a child of God, you have this armor already. It's there. And so in this text, as we read this, Paul clearly indicates that any conflict with Satan is going to be spiritual. Notice that he said that your, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your own flesh and blood. It's not against the other, other's flesh and blood. It's not against humanity. It's against the evil forces, the spiritual wickedness. It's, it's spiritual in, in nature. And so there's no worldly weapons that you and I can fight with that's going to be used effectively against the, the, the devil and any of his demons. Nothing. It's all spiritual. And so Paul teaches us in this passage that we should follow the instructions very faithfully. And when we do and we stand, we will have a victory over the devil, over his strategies regardless. We'll have victory. So let us... Look at the armor real quickly and let's run through it. And but I want us to look at it this way today. Just a real quick overview on this. And I want us to look at how it's to prepare us for battle. OK, how do we apply this to our lives? And that's what we're going to look at just real quickly. And I'll come back in the next few weeks and I'm going to work through each armor piece in detail. And make it more practical as we go through that. So I want you to notice in verse 14, the first one is the belt of truth, isn't it? The belt of truth. Out of all the things that Paul could have looked at that Roman centurion, that when he wrote this in prison, chained up to a centurion guard, Paul was writing this letter to the church. Paul was facing spiritual battles. Paul was already put in prison for righteousness, for preaching the truth for having a relationship with Jesus, he's in prison when he's writing this letter. He's chained to a guard when he's penning these words. And he's looking at that Roman centurion, and Paul is not affected. Paul is not questioning God, doubting God. Why did you put me in here? He's preaching the gospel wherever he is. And he looks at that Roman centurion, and he begins to pick out this Roman centurion, and he makes the spiritual application that what this soldier is is pretty much what he is. But in a spiritual way. 
And so he talks about out of all the things that he looked at first, Paul looked at the belt of truth, the belt of this Roman soldier. And he saw how the belt was centered. In the belt, in a, in, a, in a Roman centurion, would connect the lower kilt to the upper breastplate. It was to hold everything centered. It was to hold everything together was the truth. And out of all the things that Paul could have started with, why did he start with truth? Truth. And that's easy to understand. Because what does Satan hate the most? Truth. Scripture says that he's a liar and the father of all lies. Now, who said that I am the truth? Jesus. So this is spiritual. Satan knows that the greatest weapon against him is the truth. And that's why Paul started here and tells us that we need to put on the belt of truth. Satan hates truth. God hates untruth. God says that that there are seven things that the Lord hates and they are an abomination to him. And that one is a lying tongue. Proverbs 12, 22 says that lying lips is an abomination. So Satan hates the truth and God hates untruth. So there's a war battle right there at all times. Truth. The truth that we're talking about is, is the ultimate truth. Who is the truth? It's a battle for truth. That's what we're in today. And I'll get into more of that later on. The battle for truth. So we are exhorted to put the truth on in our lives. And the more truthful we are and the less lying that we do, the more we will be attacked by the enemy. So if you stand for truth today, get ready. A battle's coming your way. Not when. Not if, I mean, but when you get ready, it's coming. But know this, Satan is defeated with truth. Satan is defeated with truth. So he's going to come at you with all types of lies. And the only way you can defeat him is with truth. Not philosophy, but truth. Paul goes on down and says to take up the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate is what a soldier would wear on his chest to protect his vital organs. It was connected to the belt of truth. From truth comes righteousness. A a breastplate protects the most vital thing, your heart. And so the Roman centurion would wear this to protect the blows of the, of the evil one, to protect it from arrows or whatever may come its way. The righteousness here, this breastplate of righteousness, is not the righteous things that we do. It's not about righteousness of right doing. That's not what this is talking about here. When he says to take up the breastplate of righteousness, he's talking about the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. Now, do you know what righteousness is? When you called upon the name of the Lord... You were what the scripture called justified. The word justification there, if you want to put it in the simplest of ways of looking at it, is just if I'd never sinned. You are justified. Legally, it's a legal term in the scriptures. In the Greek, it means to be declared righteous. Even though you live sinful, even though you fail the Lord, but yet when God looks upon your heart, he sees the blood of Jesus and you are declared righteous. 
You were my child. When the devil goes up and accuses the father because you're sin, Jesus says, but my blood has cleansed them from all sin and they stand justified in my sight. You were declared righteous. So therefore, righteousness makes you the enemy of the devil. It's a righteousness that is imputed. It means it's, it's, it's put into your account. That's what it's talking about. And so the Lord puts it in there. And that righteousness, remember Paul said that in Philippians 3? He, if you go over there and look at Philippians 3 real quick, Paul says that, uh, that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. Paul was legalistically righteous, self-righteous. Verse 7 of chapter 3 says, But whatever was to my profit... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is my faith. See, God declares you righteous. It's not being... It's imputed. How many of you live righteously? I don't think any hands are going to go up. But how many of you are righteous in God's eyes? All of our hands go up. This righteousness is not anything that came from you. It's not your works. That's called impartation of righteousness. It's imputation of righteousness. It's a big difference. That's the one doctrine that sets the Catholic Church from the Protestant Church when you study the, the doctrines is impartation versus imputation. Do a study on that. We are righteous. And it's not through the righteousness that we do. As you notice this, we had nothing to do with truth. We had nothing to do with righteousness. It's all the Lord's, isn't it? So if you've been made righteous, then get ready for battle. He's coming for you. But remember, Satan is defeated in righteousness. All right? That means he can't touch you. He, can, he might hurt you. He might win the battles. But ultimately, he'll lose the war. And there's nothing that he can do to you that God will not allow in your life. Verse 15 tells us to, to ready ourselves with the shoes that are fitted, with the feet that are fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know? Here we see the soldier having these sandals. Now, when you think about the centurion wearing sandals, they just weren't walking sandals. Something interesting about the shoes of a, of a centurion, they had spikes in it. We would call them cleats today. Why did they have cleats and they weren't smooth leather sole like most walking sandals would be? It's because when they would make a line and put up their shields, they would, could hold the ground and they, no one could push against them because they were dug in. And Paul calls this the shoes that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have to have the right footwear in order to advance the gospel. And so when we advance the gospel, we are advancing in the world. And that's the devil's territory. 
This is his age. This is his time. And the gospel is the one thing that has to trek forward throughout the world. And it's the only thing that brings you peace with God. See, the Bible says that, that now that we have been justified by peace, by faith, we are no longer God's enemies. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says that while we were still enemies. But now when Christ comes in through the gospel, you now have peace with God. And that's what the world needs, folks. This world needs feet that are going to carry the gospel to the everywhere around this world. And that's the only hope that we have. Look at the warfare that's in the world. Look at what mankind's trying to do in their philosophies and their wisdoms. And it's failing at every turn. The world needs Jesus. And the only people that have feet ready for the gospel of peace to make them not at war with God anymore. They're not at war in the world. They're at war with God. Is when we take them the gospel. So we have to do this. That's our battle cry. Is the gospel. But Satan is going to place a lot of obstacles in our way to trip us up. And to hurt us. And that's what he does. He gets us so busy. That we don't have the right time to put the right shoes on in the morning. Imagine. Imagine going to play a football game. In a pair of stilettos. Ain't going to work, is it? Might kill somebody. Especially play baseball in stilettos. You went in for a slide. <coughs> Imagine that. When we go to battle, we have to wear the right shoes. Satan's going to trip us up. He's going to do what he can do to halt the spread of the gospel. <coughs> Matthew chapter... <coughs> Matthew chapter 13. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. And we know we taught on that not long ago about the four soils. And so soon as the word of God is preached, who comes around and snatches the seed away? Satan, the birds, which birds in Scripture are always evil, portrayed as evil. And so it's important that we share the gospel. Now, listen, if we are not sharing the gospel, and I'm not saying that you have to go out and preach and take out tracts and do all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that the Bible says, as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand as you go. Preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel is as you go in your daily walk with God to the grocery store, to work, to school. It's as you go, that testimony of Jesus is in you and you share that with others. That's what it means to share the gospel. Then there's there's more corporate times like in a Sunday school class or in a church or, or something like that. We share the gospel. We can go out on visitations and share the gospel. But that what Paul's talking about is, is that we need to be ready to go out and to see that the enemy out there is really the enemy against God. And the only thing that's going to bring them on your side is the gospel. And that's the only thing that gives us peace with God. And so he's going to trick, trick you up, trip you up. Now, listen, if you're not sharing the gospel in your daily life or your weekly life, then you're not an, you're not a threat to the devil. Satan loves coronavirus because we all stay home 
And we're so fearful to go out and to talk to anybody. And Jesus wants us to go out and share with the world the only hope the world has. Satan is defeated with the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And Satan knows that when Jesus rose again, it's over. His time is short. Verse 16 tells us to take up the shield of faith. We see that on our armor. Now, along with the shield of faith, if you look down at the end of verse 16, it says that which is to, to extinguish or can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, real quickly, as an overview, when the Romans would go into battle, the archers on the other side would light their arrows and shoot it. And when they shot the arrows, the centurions had interlocking shields and they could put up a wall in front and over the top. And when the flaming arrows would come in, they would hit these wooden shields. That's what they were at this day, wooden shields. But yet what the Romans did, they were so smart in their technique, they would soak their shields in water. And when the flaming arrows hit it, they went out and they didn't burn their shields up. And so Paul is looking at this shield and he is saying here that this shield is a shield of faith. A shield of faith. Now what is faith? Anybody quote Hebrews 11.1? 1? Anybody? Say it out loud. Yeah. It's the things hoped for, but the certain, certain things that we do not see. But we know it's there. Shield of faith is what it is. From the very beginning, what's the opposite of faith? Doubt. From the very beginning in Genesis 3.1, what did Satan tell Eve? Did God really say? Made her question the faith that she already had by making her doubt what God said. There's how Satan, that's his technique. If he doesn't use doubt, he uses fear. Those are the two greatest weapons. And I would throw pride in there too, that he has. He gets us to doubt. He tempts us with Jesus in the wilderness. What, what, did, what did he do? Tempt Jesus with power. Tempted Jesus with fame. Tempted Jesus with these things. And what did Jesus do? He quoted the word of God. See, I think what the shield of faith does is that it, it helps us to fight the flaming arrows of doubt and fear that Satan puts in our lives. Doubt and fear of God in his word. What happens when, when there's a major tragedy in your life? What is usually the human response? We doubt God, don't we? Many do. We doubt God. Why, God? Why did you do that? Why did you take my loved one? Why did you let that happen? Why, why did you I go bankrupt? Why did I get a disease? Why, God? We doubt God. And if the Lord's really in your heart, you'll come back to the truth and faith. That's what's going to get you out of it. But that's how he attacks you. He attacks you in your doubts. He attacks you in your faith. The Bible's old. To quote Hillary Clinton, the Bible is archaic. And this comes also from the same lady that says she's a Southern Baptist. He has her. He's deceived her like he's deceived so many other politicians. See, Satan, all he wants to do 
He doesn't want to come in and destroy you just by taking you out physically. He wants to just get into your mind and play mind games with you, make you doubt God, to doubt His Word, His truth. That's all it is. And so the shield of faith is what extinguishes those flaming arrows of doubt and fear in the time of battle. So if you live by faith, then get ready. You're going to battle against the devil. And that's how he comes against you. It's the opposite of what the shield is. The, he, he puts the arrows of doubt. There's a helmet of salvation. To go into battle is certain death. In a centurion time, he wore that leather helmet and sometimes it was even steel, depending on their rank or some type of copper or bronze. But it was to keep the blows from, a, from against the head, especially from behind. In the helmet of salvation, it protected the, the, the main thing. The, the breastplate protected the heart, but what's the next vital place of your life is your head. And as Paul was looking at this Roman centurion, what is in the head? What is in our minds? Who you are is right here. This is your heart. This is your mind. This is your soul. This is your will. This is your emotions. This is who you are is up here. That's why when someone passes away, you look at them. And even though physically that's them, that's not them. Because this person is already gone. And so the helmet of salvation is the one thing that makes us who we are. When we become a child of God, we are saved. Salvation is just not to get to heaven. That's the byproduct of salvation. Salvation is, is to save us from our sin, to prepare us for today, and equip us for the future. This salvation is, is, is everything. We've got to protect the way we think. Renew the mind. Think on things that are holy and admirable. These things here. And see, the Bible says that the un unsaved person cannot discern the things of God. They're a foolishness to him. He cannot discern evil and good. That's why the world does what they do. But we have the mind of Christ. The scripture says that we can discern good from evil. We can make judgments. We, we are not a, unaware of the schemes of the devil. We understand what's going on in the world. We know what the Bible says in the future. We can see it all taking place. And so when we go in there and we don't put on the helmet of salvation, we don't stand in that salvation that God has given us, then, then our minds are susceptible to the techniques and the tactics of the devil. We've got to protect the head. The head. <coughs> if you've been saved, get ready for battle. He's coming. But the devil's defeated in the power of salvation. Salvation is our redemption. That's when the Lord died. And so we got to put on that salvation. You can't fight the devil when you're lost. That's just foolishness. Only to fight the devil when you're saved. Verse 17. Paul tells us here to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I like how Paul began with the truth and he ended with the Word of God. That's the bookends, isn't it? The truth and the word of God. Now, what I want you to see here in an overview, uh, overview of this is that everything that Paul has given us or God has given us, spiritually speaking, has been from him and not from us. 
It's in his power, not our power. You notice everything. Truth is of Christ. Righteousness is of Christ. Faith is of, of Christ. Salvation is of Christ. All these things, the gospel is of Christ. None of it is you and me. None of it. You didn't earn it. You couldn't work for it. It's all given by God at the moment of salvation. And then he tells us something else. He gave us the word of God, the, the, the sword of the spirit. Now, everything that he's given you is defensive in nature. Helmet, breastplate, shield, truth. Everything's defensive for you to stand and take the blows. And it protects you. Every spiritual aspect of your life is protected. If you just stand, if you retreat, you're no longer protected. If you advance, you could be, you couldn't lose the war. But if you advance, there's only one offensive weapon to advance with. And what is it? The word of God. Satan is rendered powerless to the word of God. When Jesus was being tempted, he didn't say, I rebuke you in the name of me. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written in three verses of Deuteronomy of all books. It is written and Satan fled. See, we see so many churches today take on the devil. And I fear for those churches because I think they're right in the hands of the devil. You don't have to aggress and advance against the enemy. Charles Spurgeon said the word of God is like a lion. You don't defend a lion. You just let it out of the cage and it takes care of itself. Just stand in the word of God. Speak the truth. And Satan has no power over you. We need to learn to quote scripture. We've got to learn to, when we're attacked, to fight back with scripture. There's not a greater weapon in this world than the word of God. In fact, when Jesus comes back in, in, in the Revelation chapter 19, he destroys the nations with the sword that comes out of his mouth. The word of God, he speaks out of his mouth, the truth. And the nations lay utterly destroyed. And so we can overcome the devil by just quoting the word of God to him. And what a blessing that God has given us to, to equip us. He's put, it in our, he's put it in our presence as part of the armor. But again, what do we have to do? We have to take up. We have to put on the full armor of God. We have to take this. And what is the first and the last piece? Truth and the word of God. That's how you fight this enemy. So do you stand on the word of God? Then get ready. The battle's coming. More so in the future than maybe right now. People like me that will stand up and preach the word of God against homosexuality and transgenderism and human philosophies. I'm going to be target number one. But I'm going to stand on the truth. And I pray that I have the faith and the grace that if I'm in jail for the truth, then amen. Maybe I'm going to have some soldiers back here praying that the doors was fleeing open and I'll just walk out of there. But I don't want to back down and retreat. I want to stand firm 
in the midst of that. Verse 18, we want to, we're going to include this one in here, but verse 18 says, and pray. It's like an inclusion here, but and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, notice, be alert and keep praying always for the saints. Prayer in addition to wearing the armor, <clears throat> I think is what we need to do. I don't know of any soldier, even an unbelieving soldier, who gets suited up for battle that doesn't fear for his own life and, 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 and want to pray that God would help him come back alive. We need to learn to pray. And prayer keeps us in our reliance upon God and it, it helps us in our efforts to stay strong. When Jesus was at his weakest and Satan was at his strongest, where was Jesus praying? In the garden. He was praying. Knowing that who he was and knowing even when he was crucified on the cross, he could have called down ten thousands of legions of angels. But he didn't. But he prayed to the Father, though, didn't he? And that's what we need to do. If you pray, you get ready for battle. Because Satan will attack you. In fact, just try to pray consistently every day. And you'll find every excuse in the book not to pray. You'll be so busy. Phone calls, texts, emails, everything in your mind will come up. And, and prayer is the one thing that Satan does not like. None of these things he loves because they're spiritual and he has no power over. Now let me wrap this up. And then we'll get more into verse 10 and 11 uh, next week. The weapons that you and I fight with are not weapons of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7, verse 10, verse 4 tells us that these weapons that we fight with are able to demolish strongholds in our lives. So are you struggling with temptation? Are you struggling with an addiction? Are you struggling with something? The only way to overcome that spiritual struggle is through a spiritual weapon. And so we have the weapons to, to demolish strongholds. So these are the weapons that Paul said that we fight with and we fight with the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand, we fight with these weapons. These are spiritual weapons. They're from Christ. Truth and righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, prayer is all of God, not of us. It's not by our voices. Even when Michael, the archangel, was in a verbal argument over the body of Moses for whatever reasons. What did Michael do to the devil? And he's the archangel. He's the most powerful of all angels. Michael just said, the Lord rebuke you. Battle's over. That's it. See, we don't have to engage in a war. If we do in our, in our strength, we're, we're going to fight hard. And we probably lose. But when we stand in God's word and fight with his weapons, it's over before it even began. So these are the weapons that God has given us through Jesus Christ. They're all spiritual. They're all victorious. They're all equipped to keep us from losing and to keep us from the attacks, from being hurt, the temptations in the evil world that we live in. God provided it for all of us. But here's the great question I want to close the sermon out with this morning. Are you suiting up every day? 
And if you suit up, are you suiting up with all the armor? Not just pieces of it, but all the armor. It works as one piece. And when you do, you'll be victorious. If you don't, you may lose that battle. But thank God, ultimately, we win the war, right? Amen. Father, we have read your word. We have just touched the surface of the spiritual depth and meaning of this. And so, Father, in the days ahead, I pray that you give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, that every day, starting right now, Lord, that we put on the armor. That, Lord, we gird up our loins, as the Scripture says, and we get ready for battle because we're, we are the number one enemy against this world, against the devil who owns this world. This is his time when evil reigns, when darkness reigns. And, Lord, we know that the days are evil and they're going to go from bad to worse. Your word tells us that. It's going to go from people deceiving to those people being deceived. It's going to go to the point of where many are going to abandon the faith and they're going to follow deceiving spirits and doctrines taught by demons, which are preachers and devils in preacher suits in the pulpits today. Lord, the attack is going to be the word of God. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They just want someone up there to sing them love songs, as Ezekiel said, or, or as, as Paul said, someone that's going to tickle their ears. And Lord, today we, we don't want truth. Truth cuts and it hurts. It rubs the world in the wrong way. And Lord, we become the bigots and we become the enemy. And Lord, I believe because of COVID, it's bringing things out in this world and I think in the days ahead, Lord, your true church is going to rise up. The false church is going to fall away. And Lord, those that rise up are the true soldiers that stand firm. And they're ready to battle and face anything that comes their way. So, Lord, no matter what our world becomes, Lord, we have a mission. And that's to be your soldiers. Marching through this world, proclaiming the gospel in the power and the authority that you've given us. And Lord, let us not be weary. Let us not be afraid because greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. If you be for us, who can be against us? So maybe march, take our orders and we march faithfully in rank, fighting in the strength that you provide, praying for our fellow soldiers all around us and around the world. Help us, Lord, to fight the battle in your strength. And then we know that we will win the war. So, Lord, some of us are going to be facing battles soon. Some of us may be going through these battles today. Lord, I believe there's some that even fought this morning these battles. So, Lord, I pray that your spirit now will take this word and apply it to their heart in, in a way that will help them. Just suit up. So we give you the glory. We thank you for the victory in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be strong and stand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.